a Pulp MX Network production. This is the Rocky Mountain ATV MC Kiefer Tested Podcast. The podcast you come to for the straight insight on all things moto-centric. Hard parts, bikes, gear, suspension, motor mods, and more. It's Kiefer Tested. Here he is, Chris Kiefer. Welcome, everybody, to the Rocky Mountain ATV MC.com Kiefer Tested Podcast, presented by Fly Racing and FlyRacing.com. Rocky Mountain ATV MC is a trusted online source for parts, accessories, gear for dirt bikes, side by sides, dual sport bikes, ATVs, and those bikes that ride on the street. Oh, street bikes. That's right. Low prices, unparalleled customer service, and free three day shipping. It's easy to see why RockyMountainTVMC.com is the spot for all of us to go to order our stuff. So please, everyone, support Kiefer Tested. Go buy some stuff at RockyMountainTVMC.com. I'm working on a discount code. I've been saying that for the past month, but um, I will try to get back to you on that by the next show. And hopefully you guys can save even some more money um, shopping there at RockyMountainTVMC.com. And also, thank you to the guys at Fly Racing and FlyRacing.com. Dale, Max, all the guys there, very cool people. They stuck with us for the rest of the year. They're going to be a presenting sponsor here on the Kiefer Tested Podcast. I love the gear. Um, the new BOA reel on the light hydrogen line is awesome. So that's two BOA reels on two separate lines that Fly Racing carries. They got awesome winter gear as well, so check that out. I know wintertime's setting in for those of you guys uh are going to ride in the cold weather, so uh, make sure to go to flyracing.com and whatever you like, get that stuff over at rockymountainatvmc.com. So today, guys, um, probably going to be the last bike test podcast for a while until a Honda intro comes. Honda intro will be in a couple weeks, and we'll do another podcast of that, but um, after this podcast, we'll be doing some more hard parts and suspension and... Just a lot of different other um, intricate tests that I've been doing on top of the shootouts and then these bike tests that I've been doing. But today's podcast is about the 2018 RMZ 250. Um, don't jump out of your seat, everyone. Everyone calm down. I know you guys are excited. <laughs> Not a lot of changes over here on the yellow side on the 250. They concentrated all their focus and all their energy and all their changes to the RMZ 450, which, you know, on paper didn't fare too well in in my shootout or even some of the other shootouts out there, but um, it's it's actually a really good bike. I've been riding it after the shootouts. I let one of my testers um, race it at a local race, and he ended up winning. And he said, uh, it's funny because he said, I pulled hole shot in all my motos, all four motos, and I didn't have a hole shot device on there. He said, because it's so smooth it tracks out of the gate. So I just thought that was interesting. We didn't really get to that part of it in our shootout, but um, you can still rip hole shots on an RMZ 450. But today, we're going to talk about the RMZ 250. So, like I said, not a lot of changes, but I got myself re-familiar, re-familiar, um, familiared, sorry, with this bike um, last week a little bit, rode uh, three days on it, I went back to my previous settings that I liked last year. 
I tried those, and then I even went further and messed around even more um, because this bike has the KYB PSF2 air fork. Um, I, you guys don't even need me to say anything about that, so you guys know about that. But we'll get to the suspension part of it. Um, Suzuki looks to be probably going to redesign this bike next year. I would say possibly frame changes, um, engine changes, and maybe just some of the things that you guys saw with the Suzuki RMZ450. I think the 2019 bike will have some of that. And when we talk about this here today, it's it's not like it's a bad bike. I think it's a great bike. People always ask me and email me, what is this bike for? Like, who is it for? And sometimes that's a difficult question to answer. But for me, the 2018 Suzuki uh, 250, it, it's, it's, it's really an easy answer to answer um, that question for this bike because I feel like this bike is more geared toward um, the beginner, novice, just moving into the B-class rider. Maybe top guys, top professionals, heavier dudes, fast guys may not want to ride this bike because um, it doesn't have the best top in and over rev. This is a really good bottom to mid-range motor. Um, but I have guys like Heath Harrison. He's going to race Arena Cross next year, and I think he's thinking about moving to Suzuki, and he was asking me if this would be a good bike for Arena Cross. And immediately I text him back and said, yes, for sure. This will be a great bike because it corners bitching. It has good bottom to mid already in a stock platform. With some motor work, obviously it'll get better. So basically this engine, we'll just dive right into it. The engine is very responsive once you put the lean coupler in, okay? This is always seems to be a trend with these bikes that have couplers, Kawasaki, Suzuki, putting the lean coupler in. The reason why these manufacturers go maybe a little bit richer um, with their settings is life of engine. So with a little bit of a richer setting, they'll get more engine life out of this, and the customer wants durability, right? So they're not going to be on edge with ignition and fuel settings just because they want their motor to last longer. So I put the lean coupler in. I've ran lean couplers all year, so... I haven't put as many hours on a Suzuki as I have like a Yamaha or a Honda or even a KTM, but I've had them up to 60-some hours, and they have never failed or blew up or any of these other things that I hear out there uh, just because I ran the lean coupler. So the lean coupler is safe for all you guys asking out there, but that is one of the first things you guys should do. It's the white coupler. Put that in. That'll help response even more. So like I said, RPM response is really good on the Suzuki. It's really snappy, and when, you drive, when you're riding out of the pits, you'll hear, wah, 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 wah. It feels really good and crisp. So when you get on the track, that correlates to really responsive. It makes the bike feel light and good bottom end coming out of a corner. But once you're in past the mid-range, the top end, it doesn't really have that over-rev um, like the KTM husky or even or even a yamaha the new yamaha even has some more over rev than that so if you could ride it in the lower rpms this is where this bike shines it has tons of traction similar to the 450 you can relate that to connectivity to the rear wheel or you can relate that to just not having that much excitement power um after you get out of a corner 
how I relate it to, so if you're in second gear coming into a tight 180 corner, you come in, you set up, you come out of the corner, it has good initial response. It pulls you right out of the corner right away for the first 50 feet. And then after that, you're going to have to to shift because it goes through um, the RPMs really quick. It has a free feeling, so that gives you that excitement, you know, RPM response, but then it just runs out too quickly. I feel like they could stretch that engine out a little bit more so you don't have to shift as soon. But if you learn how to shift this bike and you get your shift shifting correctly, you can ride this bike really fast. It just takes a little bit more precision by the rider to make it um, work good for you on the track. So good bottom to mid power. Top end's a little bit short. Over rev, you know, back in the day, like 2017, 2016, 450s are the same way as well. Like you had to ride it in lower RPM. This is no exception. The 250 is the same way. So it doesn't rev out quite as long. So the the upside to this, guys, is when you do shift to third, it pulls third fairly well. You think, hey, it might bog down because, you know, you're coming out of a corner in second gear and you have to shift third, you know, soon. It'll pull it. So don't let that scare you away from like, oh, I have to run third gear. Dude, it's okay because this thing will actually pull you out once you shift into third. And third's actually quite usable. I have gotten to fourth on tracks like, obviously, Glen Helen. And to me, this is where it gets kind of tricky. Third gear's very usable. Second's good. Fourth gear's really tall. So I would, if you guys like to use fourth gear on some of your guys' faster tracks, maybe try to change your gearing up a little bit and then go up you know, two teeth on the rear sprocket. That way you don't use second gear as much. You can use third and fourth gear, and that'll kind of tighten that back up. So you guys can work on the gearing side of it. And I've only gone up one tooth and didn't help that much, so I would even try to go up two teeth. So um, you guys can try that. But overall, engine feel, like I said, has a free feeling. doesn't have tons of engine braking. It did have, uh, it was really tight, actually, when I first brought it home and started riding it. So... For those of you getting a new bike, break it in for at least an hour or so. Um, that seems to be a good rule of thumb. And I've been getting a lot of questions for emails about how do I break in my new bike. So we'll just touch on that a little bit too since we're talking about tighter feel. If you guys buy your new bike, your manual will say one thing. And you can follow the manual, which I recommend because you know guys in R&D, they get with people internally to write this manual the proper way to do things torque specs and so on so my deal is when i get a new bike you know you're in the garage obviously you're going to start it let it warm up let it idle get it really warm turn it off when you get to the track go ride 15 minutes at 75 percent 60 percent okay just go cruise it right, 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 right around for 15 minutes come back to the pits bullshit with your homies let that sucker cool all the way down, okay? When you, when I mean cool all the way down, put your hand on the radiator and make sure it's still cool. Like, if it's warm or hot, just wait a little bit longer. And then go back out, okay? Do the same thing for about 20 minutes, okay? 60 to 75%. Come back. Let it cool down all the way again. Chill out. Talk to your homies. Tell them how cool your gear looks, your bike is, all that. Just bullshit a little bit. If you see a hot chick at the track... Go look at the chick for a little bit. Just let it cool down. I know it's tough to do when you're at the track and you're impatient and you want to ride, but it's a good thing to do. The third moto, you can ride 
85 90%. I'm not saying rev the shit out of it and ride as hard as you can, but you can ride at a good clip for 20 to 30 minutes. Okay, then once that's done, free to do whatever you want. Just do whatever the hell you want, ride it how you how you like it. I've heard some people say I don't break my bikes, I just ride it. That way works too. I've done that too. It's not like I do this regimen every single time I have a bike. Obviously, um I try to buy a bike every year just to work on my on my own stuff and figure things out. So those bikes that I do purchase, you know, I make sure I regimen my heat cycles and break them in the correct way. But like I said, I've had, you know, these test bikes, which most of them come with almost an hour on them already, so they break them in. But I mean, I've heard from manufacturers, they just go ride them. You know, they have those guys internally all ride them and they just go ride them for an hour. There's no really specific heat cycle to use. So that's my take on, you know, breaking in bikes. But the Suzuki for sure comes tighter. So make sure you do break it in and it will free up at about three hours. So you'll see that bike um, drastically change in engine feel and engine braking around three hour mark. So just be patient with it. On the suspension side of thing, guys, this is where I feel like this bike needs help. You know, the KYB PSF2 fork is basically, it, it's a simpler, cheaper way to make an air fork. The KYB PSF1 was the base of air fork for KYB. They found some cheaper things to put in the fork to lower the cost of the manufacturing. And to me, almost pitch you to the customer like, hey, you're getting more um, adjustability and you're not changing the price. Well, that's all fine and dandy if it works. But to me, PSF1 is much better than PSF2. PSF2 has high and low speed compression, has high and low speed rebound. And for most of you guys out there, you're going to get lost. I mean, I've been doing this for a long time. And sometimes I even have to really calm down and go back to my notes to see where I'm at. Because it's confusing with all these clickers up here on the fork. Um and also, this high and low speed rebound dampening that it has on the fork, it's not super reactive to change. To me, the high speed rebound is more um, convincing on the track when you change it than the low speed, which to me, it should be the opposite way. But I've messed around with all the clickers and all these things for you know a couple days. The best setting I've come up with this bike would be 35 PSI, okay? Stock is 34. I weigh 172 pounds without gear, and I like a 35 PSI. It's a little soft at first, okay? But this is going to build pressure during the day, okay, guys? So it'll start getting a little bit firmer, even a little bit harsher later in the day. So... If you're a little bit less in weight, maybe 150, start at 34. Start at the recommended 34 PSI. So um, start at 35. It'll start getting a little bit harsher during the day. You can even back off the low speed compression a couple clicks, and that'll help you get some more feeling out of this mid-stroke, which is the tough point in this fork. If you go too high in air pressure, your mid-stroke's going to be super harsh and you're going to lose a lot of front wheel traction. And that's what you don't want with this bike because this is where this bike shines is front wheel feel, cornering and all that. So you don't want to mess with it too much and try to make it hold up 
a lot because you're going to lose cornering. So be real careful about PSI on this fork. This is super sensitive. So 35 PSI, back it off on the low speed compression a couple clicks. I tried messing with high speed compression. I just went back to stock because it really didn't do anything. It didn't improve anything, and it, it, it hurt more in the mid-stroke to me than anything. So 35 PSI, once again, I'm going to repeat myself a couple times because just so you guys can really get this through your head or if you're writing it down. Um, so for those of you that aren't doing this, you might say, oh, dude, it's repetitive, but this is why I do this. So 35 PSI, back it off a couple clicks on the low-speed compression. You can stiffen the high-speed rebound, which is in, okay? Every time I say stiffen, that means in, um, one to two, and that'll kind of help um, balance the front end, front end out a little bit so it's not so harsh, okay? But I'm telling you guys, even if you're doing all of this for this bike, it's still tough to get a good feel after about an hour or two at the track. It just still doesn't feel great to me. Suzuki needs to put a spring fork on this bike, get a little bit more of an engine. And these are all the things you guys can do when you guys buy this bike, okay? Not to say this bike isn't a good base. It's a, it's a good base bike, but you're going to have to do some work to it to make it, um, for me, a great bike. So beginner novices, I would say this is going to be a great bike. Good bottom end power, easy to corner, blah, blah, blah. So it's just tough to set up. Going to the shock... I experiment and I sat for a full day trying to mess with sag settings and I went to 102 to 104 to 106 to 108 back down I settled with 106 because I wanted the ass end a little bit lower and Suzuki comes with a fork height of 8 millimeter which is super high to me and this bike corner is good already so I wanted a little bit more stability out of this bike so I dropped it to 5 millimeter you can go to 4 but the sweet spot for me was five millimeters up in the clamp, okay? So drop your sag a little bit, 106. Um, put that fork up five millimeter, so drop that fork. And um, compression, I've, I've messed with some of that. I went a little bit stiffer because I'm heavier and I don't want it to, uh, to bottom out as much. So I went about two stiffer on the compression. You guys can go a little bit stiffer on the high speed which I did as well but for those of you that are a little lighter I think stock high speed is 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 good enough so you can just leave it there but with the combination of the sag and the fork settings that I gave you this gives you a good balanced feel for about you know if you're motoing all day it's going to give you a good balanced feel for a couple hours after that you're going to have to start messing with the fork because it kind of hurts the whole chassis feel of this bike. So start off with the base setting, and you'll be happy. And uh, the most important thing is make these changes one at a time. Don't do all these changes at once. So breaking your bike, um, people ask me, should I shut my sag before I break in my bike? Yes. Put your sag at 106 before you break it in, and then after it's broken in, check it again and see if it's sacked down a little bit, and then you can move forward. Hey, don't forget about Rutted Racing. Rutted Racing brings really cool t-shirts. Um, my buddy, just I gave my buddy a couple the other day, and he's a taller guy. He's like 6'1", and he thought you know they were great. They weren't too short. The length was proper. 
he's an older guy, so he doesn't know fashion, but now he understands a little bit more about how nice and soft shirts can be. Not these 100% cotton beefy tees. No one wants that. So, you know, the owner, 6'5", six 6'5", five, six five guy, Clint, he wanted to bring a more comfortable and a more fitted look to his clothing line, and that's what he did. Rutted Racing brings you a more fitted and more comfortable apparel um, to all the off-road community. You want to look good when you go to the track, right? Go to Rutted Racing. They all different kinds of designs and styles of shirts. Um, you can follow them at Rutted Racing on Instagram, or you can go to ruttedracing.com, and you can look at all their, their line of shirts and order some. They support the show. It's great. And if you guys want to have shirts made up of your own, Okay, if you have a logo you think's cool and you want to print some for your buddies and you want to, you know, kind of start your own clothing line, go to screenprintingdone.com. Mention Kiefer. If you order 12 tees, you get 10 free t-shirts. It's bitchin'. I just ordered up some new hoodies for me, so I'll be selling those on kieferinktesting.com. So go to screenprintingdone.com. Mention Kiefer. Send them your logo, whatever you want to do. Purchase 12 tees. Get 10 for free. Really cool. Make some money. Um, hit up the guys at screenprintingdone.com and they'll do you up right. So the chassis on the RMZ250 hasn't been a huge sticking point on the on the 250 versus the 450, um, just because simply it has less horsepower, right? So it's easier to dial in a chassis um, versus riding a 450. Compared to the 15... 2015 model this new 2000 you know 17 18 chassis um i shouldn't say new it's just you know updated but uh to me less rigid feel on the track it's not as compliant as the yamaha frame or even the steel frames of the ktm and the husky but it's it's not 2016 honda stiff okay so to me softer types of tracks ruddy um, you have long ruts coming in and going out. This is where the spike shines, guys. It's It can corner so good. This is one part that Suzuki nails for you know many years is cornering, right? Well, the bigger bike's kind of fading out of the best cornering bike, but this 250, I still feel like this thing corners amazing. Even with my fork settings, I'm dropping, the, you know, like I said, I'm dropping the fork down to 5 millimeters, the sag at 106. This thing corners like a dream. Like if you guys are wanting to learn how to corner and your technique is off and you want to make your cornering easier, the RMZ250 is a great bike to get all that dialed because it almost does it for you. Like if you start leaning, it'll lean in and stick. And I had another guy, and he was even 180 pounds, He's a novice, and he didn't really corner great, but I watched this guy ride after I let him you know, use the test bike for a moto. His cornering technique improved. Like, the bike actually helped him corner better. So this is one strong point about the Suzuki, and this is what I, why I think a beginner, novice type of rider, this is why I think the Suzuki would really benefit that type of guy. So if you guys are looking for a 250F and you're a novice rider, if your parents out there are wanting to get your kid a bike, and they can't corner very well, help them out. Suzuki does that. You know, Suzuki can do that for you. So, and I know the MSRP on these 250s are less. You probably can find a better deal on Suzuki's than you can any other bike right now. 
Um, for the simple fact of I don't think they sell as many as the other manufacturers. So um, and I know they're trying to push this bike more. So you're probably going to get more incentives, more deals, and just a better deal at your uh, Suzuki dealer. So try to look into this if you're that kind of a guy because the corning character is really good. The frame chassis, like I said, feel is a little bit stiff, but I've ridden in that at some local high desert tracks because I want, that's how I get my chassis feel. I go these high-speed, choppy, whooped-out, square-edge tracks out here. And this chassis is a little bit stiffer feeling on straight line, but it doesn't ever do anything horrible where I'm like, gosh, I just feel unsafe on this, okay? It doesn't skip out. It doesn't deflect. It just has an overall stiffer feel, and I think that comes from that fork more than the chassis. Um, so if you have... Like I said, let's say you have a, a faster track that you ride. You could even drop that fork some more to three millimeters, and that'll even help the straight line stability even more and feel less harsh. I dropped it to flush, which actually made it feel like it was raked out too much, but the chassis feel was still compliant and fairly good, and that's why it leads me to believe just the fork changes, you know, the height changes that I made um, made a huge difference. So... Um, I would be tend to lean more towards, hey, that fork is the problem more than the chassis. So it's a stiffer chassis. It corners well. It likes softer type tracks. It loves ruts. Um, when you take the bike off the stand, it does have a slightly heavy feel, as all Suzuki's do. Once again, I think that RPM response, crispness, and bottom end feel makes this bike feel light on the track. Um, I also think... Suzuki could stand to lose a little bit of weight on this bike. It would help them even more. And I think the cornering character, um, and, and I'm not talking about 10 pounds, you know. Um, I'm talking about a couple pounds. And I think that would even help the cornering character even more and persuade some of these buyers to get the Suzuki. Because uh, Suzuki, this bike is obviously dated and nothing changed on it. And... The weight seems to be a huge thing with buyers nowadays, like dropping weight. Oh, my God, I need to get this bike that's so light. Sometimes weight helps, okay? In this case, 250, if you drop a couple pounds, it's going to help you even more. So Suzuki, if you're listening, um, try to lose a couple pounds. And, you know, and it's up to us, too, as consumers. We can probably drop a couple pounds as well. I know there's lighter seat foams out there. Um, there's all different kinds of parts that we can put on, tie parts, but we're just spending more money, so we don't want to do that. So we want that to come from the, the, the factory itself. Looks-wise, guys, I think the bike looks bitchin'. They updated, you know, they put the yellow rear fender on the thing last year, um, black wheels. To me, the bike's very good-looking, just like the 18 RMZ 450. I still think that's the best-looking bike. Suzuki's no exception, the 250. I think it's uh, very attractive. Uh, I've had my bike, what the hour meter says, seven hours on it. It looks a little roached, I'm not going to lie. Suzuki's do look a little bit more roached out than other bikes as they get older. Um, but if you take care of them, they do last. So for those of you out there saying Suzuki's a piece of shit, they don't last, well, that's false. Um, all these new bikes are pretty good. It's how you take care of them. Yeah, there's some anomalies out there where, you know, hey, Kiefer, I, my crank blew. It went through the, the case or... My linkage rods are broke off, you know, and there's always an exception, okay? I'm not saying every bike is like that. 
And if there was something that really was drastic, Suzuki would have a recall or someone would have a recall. So um, don't worry about Suzuki's reliability. And uh, all I can offer you guys is go to the dealer that gives you the best deal because I do think this bike is worth buying if you're a younger guy and you don't have that much money and you want to learn how to corner and you just want to have a good time on a bike. This is a, this is a good bike to do it. Um, would I buy one for me personally to go race and ride? Probably not, just for the simple fact that I'm a higher level of a rider and I'm a little bit heavier and I want more top-end power because that's where I would be riding this bike. Um, but I would have no problem putting on putting my son on one of these bikes when he got older to ride a 250F because I feel like it would actually help him in the long run for cornering. So not much else to say about this bike, guys. Um, just going to have to take your time with the fork, um, follow the settings that I have, the motor. Like I said, bottom to mid motor. Hopefully next year we'll see a an updated version of this bike. And this bike will be going the shootout. I'm probably going to have shootouts starting November 13th. Similar layout like I did with the 450. Silver riders, sizes, age, ability, all different types. And uh, we'll be shooting this sucker out. The other ones on probably starting November 13th that week. Go to three different tracks and really put all these things to the test and do all kinds of uh, settings with them and see where it comes on top. So... Suzuki's going to have his work cut out for him in the 250 shootout. I know some of these bikes coming in are a little bit better in the engine department, and that's where 250s um, seem to be more important for ratings, is if you have a fast engine and maybe not so good chassis, you can get away with it. So um, Suzuki needs a little bit of work in the engine department, so we'll see what all the riders have to say about this bike. But, um, yeah, you guys can go to, I think, SuzukiCycles.com. And check this bike out. And if you guys are in the dealers, you know, tell them you uh, listen to Kiefer Tested and, you know, you're interested in buying this bike and this is what it does. And, you know, school, <laughs> go school that salesman a little bit. Show him who's boss. Don't let him pitch you something that you guys uh, find out here, you know. Um, knowledge is key and that's why I try to bring all you guys this uh, podcast so you have some knowledge. If you guys see me at the track, hit me up. Um, come by, say hi. Or if you got any questions, feel free to come ask me. That's why I'm here. Um, like I said, if I'm out and I'm looking pissed off, it's not because of you guys. It's because I'm probably riding like shit. So, But anyway, come over. Let's talk about dirt bikes. If you have a problem, maybe we can work it out. Not to say I know everything, but uh, if I do know something that I can help you with, I will be more than happy to do that. So you can also hit me up at chris at keferinktesting.com if you have any questions. Preferably hit me up on email. Do not direct message me on Twitter with 10 questions. Uh, probably won't get back to you, not because I don't like it, just because I don't really check my DMs that much, and I try to focus my time on these things and my website. So um, just go to my email, hit me up. I'll try to get back to you. And if not, I'll answer it on questions at pulpmx.com. If you guys haven't checked that out, you can go to Pulp and look at it. But... uh Thanks for listening to these. Thanks to my sponsors. And we'll be back next week with some hard part tests. See you guys.